and say, get ready. Um, we are going to be able to bring you a word. If you ever have any questions on anything, please feel free to go on the website, ask us some questions. We'll be able to help direct you to be able to find some information that you're looking for. Do you know that there's two things, two things why people perish? Anybody know what they are? Lack of knowledge is one. What's the other one? Without a vision, Habakkuk 2, okay? Without a, without a vision. So we, the Bible says that without a vision, my people what? Perish. And then the other thing is that my people perish for lack of knowledge. In other words, the word ignorant isn't about stupid. The word ignorant is about not knowing. And there's some things that sometimes we are ignorant about. We just don't know. Brain surgery, I don't know a whole lot about. Amen. But, but you know, when you've got to go through it and, you know, Manly's had to go through some of that situations, you just take it, you just trust God as you begin to walk through that. Amen. So um, I don't know what you got that background on, but you're working on it. I appreciate you to getting that background on. And we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom. See, there are two kingdoms. Oh, yeah, handout. Anybody not get a handout? If you did not get a handout, he's going to give that to you. I want you to be able to write that out. Some of you love to take notes, go back and refer refer it during the week. Um, I know some people that will look over their notes and even study throughout the week on the notes that we hand out on Sunday morning. So that's exciting. But we want to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God because Shelley mentioned it. She mentioned about in Isaiah where it says there shall be no end to the increase of your government, meaning the government of God, which is the kingdom of God. And how does a government operate? We're going to get into that, but probably not right now today. But we talk about how the government operates. We have a king. His name is? Come on. We have a king. His name is? His name is Jesus. He is He is our king. He is the king of kings. So, if he's the king of kings, and maybe you're a king and queen, if I could use it that way. You're kings and queens, and Jesus is the king of kings and queens. Come on, somebody. I used to think, well, when he was the king of kings, it would be like he's the king of the kings over all the nations of Africa. Or we would call it a president. The president here would be our king. Or, or he was the king of those you know, high people that, you know, that, that have, you know, great responsibility and all of that. But I really believe that you guys are priests and kings. That's what it says. It talks about it in Peter that, you know, that you are, we are priests and we're kings and Jesus is the king of kings. We're going to start out real quick with John chapter one, verse 12. It says, but as many as he did receive and welcome him, he gave them the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God, to become children of God. That is those who what? Believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. So he says he's given us the authority. This is in the amplified version of the Bible. If some of you are looking that up, it's in the, he gives us the authority and the privilege. We become children of God. Can I break this down real quick for you? When I was 20 years old, I, I went to a church and it was, a, I didn't go to church when I was younger. Didn't spend much time, didn't know about religion, didn't know about churches, didn't know what they did. All I knew on Wednesday nights is they would get together and I could go into the parking lot and I would siphon gas out of their automobiles. Yes, I know that that was wrong. 
but I needed gas. But how many of you know that there is a time, we're on this journey, and there was a time for me to be able to come, and there was a time, I believe, the timing of the Lord for me to come and know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So when I was 20, I had this, uh, can I say this experience, which I found out later, Karen, that there is the wooing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says nobody comes to Christ without the wooing of the Holy Spirit. So some of the things that I learned was like, you know what? Debbie needs Jesus. We got to get Debbie saved. Debbie needs Jesus. She needs Jesus. She needs Jesus. She might need Jesus, but I can do all these things to try to get her to say a prayer or speak a word. But without the Holy Spirit's wooing you, it's just words. Oh, come on. That'll hurt some people. People will get mad at me, and they'll send me some emails probably over the situation. But here's the deal. This is the truth. Without the wooing of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit began to woo me, right? And then I gave my life to Christ, like I hope many of you have. If you're here today and you haven't given your life to Christ, and the Holy Spirit's wooing you, come see me. I'll help you lead. Amen. I'll lead you to the Lord. Amen. And I'll explain to you what God's doing. So he was wooing me. In other words, he was, you know, how many of you know when I first met Pastor Shelley, she was wooing me. She really was wooing me, but I was wooing her too. Amen. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> so this was, of course, before the time of the, you know, the Internet and the dating services and all this other stuff that's out there. So I met her, and I was in North Carolina, and she was, she was in Oklahoma, and it was like God connected something. But, you know, she was, she was just chasing me. It was just all the time. Every time I turned around, she was just calling me and, and wanting to talk to me and everything else. Yeah, you guys know I'm kind of pulling your leg because I know, I know that she's, um, she's an amazing young lady, and I was always chasing her. Amen. So it kind of worked both ways. But unfortunately, back then, our phone, my phone bill was like three and $400 a month just be talking to her back and forth. We didn't have this unlimited data or, you know, twenty nine ninety five. You can get, you know, all the, you can talk as long as you want to. No, we had to pay so much every minute to call and, and talk with her. But there was a wooing that took place with us to have a relationship. Is God wooing you today? Even if you say, you know what, I met Jesus back when I was 20. I believe that even this morning, you're going to begin to start to feel the Holy Spirit. There's something going on. And it's the Holy Spirit wanting you to get closer to God. Wanting God to get closer to you. How many of you know, David's only going to let God get as close as he wants to let him get. You know, we got to stiff arm him. You know, in football, you run the ball, you can put your stiff arm out. Boom, you stiff arm that guy. You can keep him away from you. A lot of times we stiff arm God. And when I was 20, I probably stiff armed God. I, I probably, oh, come on, somebody. You've done the same thing too. Stiff arm him. And then the spirit began to woo me and, and woo me. And I, what I call, I got a relationship with God. The Bible says I became born again, all right? I gave Jesus Christ my life. In 1 Corinthians, it says my spirit and God's spirit become one. I became one with him in spirit. Are you with me? So my spirit is born again. Well, what about my soul? Anybody know what your soul is? Tanil, you know what the soul is, your mind, your will, and emotion. Does my soul get born again and when my spirit gets born again, Tom? My soul has to be renewed. Are you with me? 
my mind has to be renewed. Are you with me? So I have to go through this renewing process, and we're on this journey. Well, one of the things that I was taught through church, can I tell you, through religion, was that, that I, um, I was saved, and I was a sinner, and I received Christ, and I got saved. So the Bible kept saying, or the Bible says, I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. Are you with me? So people kept telling me, said, you're just a sinner. Eric, you're just a sinner. You're just a sinner. And I had trouble. I couldn't reconcile that I am a sinner and now I'm walking in Christ and I'm still a sinner. There are some things that just you can't reconcile. Okay, let me ask you a question. Are you in the house of God today or are you in the street? How are you going to reconcile if I say that you're in the street, although you're in the house of God? You're like, no, 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 I'm sitting in here. You can see me in here. I'm in the house of God. How could I reconcile being a sinner, but yet I'm in God? Can I help you with this? Because I struggled with that. I didn't know anything about the Bible. But yet when I was understanding and people were trying to teach me that they're saying, oh, there's none righteous, no, not one. And that's great if I don't know Christ. But when I come to know Christ, what happens to me is my spirit becomes a new creation. Oh, come on, somebody. The Bible says that the old has passed away and the new has come. So if, if I'm a sinner, then I'm a sinner. And if I'm a new creation, then I need to be a new creation. So I'm not a sinner. I was a sinner. Now I'm saved by God's grace, lest any man should boast. Come on. Now I am a new creation in Christ Jesus that sins. <gasps> you sin? Yeah, I sin. You know what the word sin literally means? To miss the mark. I don't know about you, but I got born again. My spirit was born again when I was 20. But, you know, when I gave Christ my life at 24, I started hitting the mark more and more and more. But I still miss the mark. I'd rather aim high and hit it halfway than to aim low and hit it all. Amen? I'd rather go for 450 pounds on a bench press, are you with me, than to do 100 and be able to do that with no problem. I'd rather aim high and do 300 and not get to the 450 than to be able to hit 100 and say, I made 100. Yeah, big deal. So here's what I had to reconcile. If I was a sinner saved by God's grace, then I am no longer a sinner, but I'm a new creation, but I sin. Sin means to miss the mark. I miss the mark. You know how many times I have to tell her? I'm sorry, honey. Please forgive me, baby. Please forgive me. How many times I'll tell you if I mess up and do something that I shouldn't do for you guys? I'm real, I'm real big on being able to ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me, David? I'm really sorry. And, you know, so I have to operate in being a child of God. See, now all of a sudden, before I came to Christ, I was outside the family of God. Oh, come on, somebody. And now when I come into Christ, I'm in him and I'm in the family. Can I get an amen? Everything in that family of God that Jesus Christ died for, are you with me? I don't want to receive his inheritance when I go to heaven. I've already going to receive that. Amen. 
my, my, I'm promised. Come on, somebody. I'm promised. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shall be what? Saved. I'm saved, set free. Come on. I'm still working through a process. I'm still on a journey. Oh, come on, somebody. I still mess up. You know why I like my jet skis? There's no speed limit on the water. And you know, I can't drive 55. I just struggle with that. I, I have an issue with that. And, but when I get on the water, I can drive 67 on my jet ski. Come on, somebody. I know you're thinking, oh, my word. So what I'm saying is that, see, see when, when you come into Christ, their limits are removed. I'm not saying I can legally go and break the law. Are you with me? But there's limits I, I could, that are removed. We sang the song about it. All things are possible. What do you believe in God for? Because it is possible. But there's some things that you need to know about becoming a child of God that I want to give you today. Real quickly, you got your hand out. Can, I get, can anybody give me 15 minutes? Can you give me 15 minutes? Will you give me 15 minutes? Will you give me 15? That's 30. Will you give me 15? That's 45. Anybody else give me 15? You want to take 15 away? Okay, I see what you're doing. No. So we, we, we have to understand that we become children of God. So here's the difference between when I was 19 years old and when I was 20. When I was 19, I was lost, and Jesus found me. The Holy Spirit wooed me. I gave my life to Christ. I stepped into the family of God, and now I become a child of the Most High God. We're going to do some teaching, and I'm going to teach you about the four different words for child of God. Jesus, when he was born, you remember the word babe? He's the babe. That's a different word than this word ch children or child of God or what we saw in John chapter 1. So let me give you these five things. Everybody ready? Say, I'm ready. The first thing that I want to give you, and I think I gave you these the, the, a couple of weeks ago, is you got to believe that God has a plan and purpose for your life. Believe that God has a plan and purpose for your life. I could go through each one of these statements, and I could tell you or put emphasis on believe God has a plan and purpose for your life, or it could be believe God has a plan and purpose for your life. But I want you to, God, you've got to believe that he has a plan and purpose for your life. I want you to think about that. He's got something for me. Well, you know he's got something for Shelly, right? He's got a plan and purpose for Shelly, but he's got a plan and purpose for your life. How personal is that? Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm just going to review for the first two points. The plans I have for you declares the Lord. What? Not to harm you, but to give you what? Hope and a... I, I see some young people in here, love seeing the young people. You got to know that God has a plan and purpose for you for a future. Well, things are really bad in this world. Guess what? You got a future. What's ahead of me is greater than what's behind you. That's what Paul says. Paul said, I'm going to look ahead of me because what I got coming in my future is greater than my past. Can I get an amen? So we said, I got a plan and purpose. And we talked a little bit about the, the word plan was actually the Hebrew word shalom. Well, now that's different because that's peace. 
So God has peace. He has the Hebrew word shalom. That word shalom. That word shalom. That means that mean that it's means safe. It means well-being. It means happiness. Come on, somebody. It means holiness. It means friendly. It means prosperity. It means health. It means peace. Having peace. God has peace for us. In the midst of what we're going through as a nation, the church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia is going to operate in peace. You know why? Because we got shalom. In the midst of a virus and they're, they're trying to tell you that it's taken over the world, we have peace because no virus has taken over this world. Come on, somebody, because I'm a child of the Most High God and I live in the kingdom of God and Jesus is the ruler in the kingdom. Come on, somebody needs to give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. So we think about Hebrew, the Hebrew word for thoughts, the thoughts I have for you, the plans I have for you. The word thoughts literally, literally means the intention. Did you know that God has an intention for you and it's hope and a future? I don't know about you, but when I was 19 years old, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was struggling going to college. I was struggling, you know, in the world. I was struggling with all sorts of different things. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I didn't know this scripture. I wish somebody had, well, I wasn't ready yet because the Spirit wooed me, right? And then as the Spirit wooed me, now I'm ready to hear the scripture that says I have plans for you. So I knew God has a plan, has a purpose, and has a destiny. Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, he said, He chose us in him for the, for the foundation of the world, having what? Predestined us as the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. God wants you to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. I mean, think about that. Who's your daddy? <laughs> Who's your daddy? My, my daddy's the Father God. Are you with me? Uh, that's who. That's who my daddy is. And 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 when when it's my father, then I know he has a plan and purpose for my life. So the second thing, number two. Let me give you number two real quick. Um, I want you to discover God's plan and His purpose for your life. When you believe that he has a plan and purpose for your life, it will keep you grounded or centered on the things of God. When you know that he's got a plan and purpose. Now, number two, real quick on that, is that don't let external things or external circumstances control your life. Don't let external circumstances control your life i have seen some videos met some people um that have they're missing a limb or they were in 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 a war are you with me and the one guy doesn't even have arms and and legs and they put him in a wheelchair and he's a football coach y'all Y'all, you can Google it, and, and, and it's amazing what he is, and what, and, but, but he's learned, and he's grown, and he's got a relationship with Christ. Are you with me? How many of us would have quit? And here he is, a football coach. He just now recently got to be a head coach at one of the high schools, and it's something I think for the past six or seven years he had been, he had been coaching as an assistant, and now somebody's given him the opportunity to be a head coach at one of the high schools. And that's what I'm saying. He doesn't let external circumstances control his life. 
Oh, I, I didn't come from the right side of the track. So come on. Or I'm not tall enough. Or I'm, I'm, I'm not small enough. Are you with me? Come on. The, the, we let those external circumstances kind of control our lives. Well, you know, there, there's, there's difficult things that, that why, do, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why does this happen and that happen? And how can we overcome those things? And we talked about what Paul talked about, the Apostle Paul. He wrote 13 of the books in the Bible when the Apostle Paul talked about it. And there was four things that I want to give you that if you can understand about those external things, there was four things about you being a child of God that you are not. Let me give them to you. And when you look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, one of the things that you're not is you're not crushed. You're not crushed. He said, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I'm what? Not crushed. Everybody, not crushed. I'm not crushed. I'm not crushed. There may be pressure where you're at in the situation in which you're in, but you're not crushed. He goes on and he says, I'm perplexed, but I'm what? Not in despair. I'm not in despair. He goes on and he says, I may be persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. How many times have I thought, I'm abandoned, I'm all alone, God, it's only you and me. Hello? <laughs> I think maybe it probably ought to be just him and I. Are you with me? Because now I, he said he would never leave me. He would never forsake me. And there's times you may be alone, and there's times you may be lonely, but I'm here to tell you that God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm hanging out with you. No matter where you go, what you do, I am with you. And he says, so we're not crushed. We're not in despair. We're not abandoned. And we say we might be struck down. But he says, you're what? Not destroyed. Everybody say not destroyed. You're not destroyed. You are not destroyed. Yeah, you know, there are some things that's like, man, my whole life, it's a mess. It's a wreck. It's just been destroyed no, it's not. No, it's not. You may have gotten knocked down, but you're going to get back up. You may be like a Timex watch. You take a licking and you keep on ticking. Come on. You may be like a weeble wobble, but it don't fall down. You may be like a rubber band. You know what I mean? You just get stretched, but you flex back. You come back into it. So those are the four things that you're not. And we went through Paul and we looked at what, he, what had happened to his life. He had opportunity for outside circumstances to control his life. He could have quit. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't quit. Don't you dare quit. Don't you dare quit. Okay, real quick, number three. I'm going to get into number three for you real quick. Number three is that believe God desires for you to have an abundant life in every area. Listen, listen, listen. Sometimes people are like, well, I believe God wants me to have an abundant life in this area, but I don't know about that area. Look, God wants you to have peace in every area. Well, what about finances? I believe God wants you to have finances in every area. Enough to do whatever you want to do with it in order to bless the kingdom of God because that's what he wants you to be able to have. What about, what about forgiveness? Well, my, I, can, I can forgive my Aunt Martha, but I can't forgive Aunt Mary. No, no. God has an abundance of forgiveness for you. Are you with me? You can be able to forgive that, those people. What about love? 
Oh, I can love Lon, but no, no, I, I, I don't want to love Vernon. I'll just, you know, I'll be polite to Vernon. No, there's enough love. He wants me to have an abundance of love. To be able to love people that are unlovely. Oh, come on, somebody. It's easy for y'all to love Shelly because she's so nice. She's so nice. But what about when you don't agree? And what about if you get crosswise? And what about if you have conflict? Oh, come on, somebody. God wants us to have an abundance. So he talks about that. There's an abundance. And that's, of course, John 10.10. I think that's on your sheet. It says a thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundant. And automatically, when I start preaching on abundance, people automatically think finances. It's not just finances. It's part of that. But it's peace. I believe God wants us to be able to, women, you guys, God may want you to have an abundance of shoes. <laughs> I got one whoop, whoop, over here. So that's good. I'm like, and then, then you'll go home and your husband and you'll be, be say, look, I think I need to go buy some shoes because Pastor Eric said, don't put Pastor Eric in this deal. An abundance. Amen. He wants you to have abundance. Jesus said to uh, abundant quantity and abundant quality. That's what it's about. How many of you would like to have peace and have an abundance? How about confidence? Ooh, how many of you would like to have some abundance of confidence that you can get up in the morning and you are confident that you're going to take the day? You're going to do good things are going to happen to you. You're going to operate in the favor of God today. Come on, that's the abundance that God wants us to have. He's going to give you an abundance amount of strength in order to bench press that, that, those weights that you want to bench press or run the mile that you want to run or, you know what I mean, do the things that he wants you to do. He wants you to be able to have an abundance. In Romans 5, 17, I think I put that scripture on. He said, if you receive the abundance of grace, how many of us like the abundance of grace? How about the abundance of mercy? Come on, somebody. It's like, man, I, I like the abundance of grace. And he says, and the gift of righteousness, you're going to reign in life. We receive the abundance of grace. God has an abundance of grace. And that grace of God is be able to you to operate in the grace of God and the righteousness of God. So you can do what? Reign in life. Rule in life. Have dominion. Have authority over those things. How many of you need to have authority over the thoughts that come in? I do. Because there's some times that I just struggle. What? But you're a pastor. You've been doing this for 22 years. Look, I'm human. I'm human. And I deal with those things. And all of a sudden, I've got to have that abundance. I've got to have my mind to the mind of Christ. Look, I was praying for you guys to have the mind of Christ, but I need the mind of Christ. So I was praying for me to be able to have. I want the abundance of the mind of Christ. I would love to know what God thinks in every situation and every circumstance, and I'd like to walk that out. Because how many of you know, I've made known what I think in situations and circumstances, and I've had to walk those out too, good or bad. Come on. Good or bad, I've had to walk those things out. So we begin to look at it, and he says he wants you to desire to have an abundant life in every area. You need peace? Ask God for the abundance, the overflow. You need forgiveness? Ask God for the abundance, the overflow. We need grace. Ask God for the abundance, the overflow. You need mercy. Look, I, I can go to people, find them in the courthouse, in the courtroom, and say, y'all need abundance of mercy. 
And they're like, absolutely, that's exactly what I need. Do you think the judge can give me some of that? You know, we've got to be able to have that abundance. You've got to be able to walk in that. Number four, real quick, live your life in a balanced way. But listen, keeping your priorities in line with the word of God, of God, excuse me, the word of God. We got to live our life in a balanced way. You know what I mean? I, I've got we Steve. Steve works for a tire company, and and this this company in town, and and they do tires. Anybody ever had a tire go flat? You does it slow you down? Sometimes it'll bring you right to a stop, won't it? What about if you've ever had a tire that was um, unbalanced? You know what I mean? And it, and what's it do to your car? It kind of or your truck? It gives you. Our lives can get that way. Do y'all understand this? Our lives can get this way. We can be out of balance in our lives, and, and, and we can keep not keep the priority of the Word of God in our lives today. Are you with me? And it'll be like a tire getting out of balance. It's a tire getting out of balance. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word and deed, do it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to put some balance in your life? If you're doing it, whatever you do in word and deed, look at is it I'm working today for the Lord Jesus Christ as my boss. I want to please my boss. How about you? Amen? I want to be able to please my boss. I'm going to work for my boss. If I'm, listen, I shovel hog manure. I, I, if I shovel hog manure, I'm going to do it the same way as I'm going to drive some screws in a, in, in a, in a, in a building a house or something. Are you with me? Or, or putting on a roof. I want to do it the same way. I want to do it the same way. If I'm preaching, I want to preach the same way. Come on, somebody. If I'm vacuuming the floor, I want to vacuum it the same way. I mean, whatever I do, I do for the Lord. Come on. And when I do it for the Lord, it's going to begin to please others around me. Come on, somebody. Because I'm keeping my life balanced and it's in line with the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, as I alluded to that scripture earlier, for the word of God is living and active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That's where the word is alive. It's alive today. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this about scripture, that it's God-breathed. God's breathing forth scripture. And you know when God breathes forth scripture, the scripture the scripture tells us that the angels work to perform that on which God is saying. It's useful for teaching. It's useful rebu- for rebuking. It's useful for correcting. It's useful for training in righteousness. So what about the word of God? Where is it in your priority? What can you move it up? I- I've had people say, well, you know what, Pastor, I'm probably at a two. What would it get to go to a three? What can you move that needle one, one space to? What would that be? Well, I just need to set a little more time. How about you set your alarm 15 minutes earlier and read the word? How about maybe in the morning it's not good? Because, listen, I know some of you ladies. And many ladies get up and you got four or five kids and you wake up and, the, and it's about the kids. Amen. And at 6 o'clock their feet hit the floor and they're going after it. It may be better for you in the evening. It may be better for you at lunch. I remember I was getting out of balance with the Word of God and having some time with God and praying, and I started sneaking off on my lunch hour. I'd get a lunch hour, and this was back in North Carolina, and I, and I would drive out, and actually I-40 comes right by where I used to live and work, and it would just take me about three or four minutes to drive to I-40, and there was a rest area right there. 
So I pull into the rest area in my truck, get my Bible out, grab my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Come on. And I'm eating my chips and eating, but I'm spending time with the Lord just for one hour. Listen to this. Check this out. This is this is the truth that I was I was one day I had pulled up many different times. I pulled up one time. I looked and I looked across the, the rest area stop and I saw my boss over there. Yeah, now where'd your mind go sometimes? He's like, what was he doing over there? So guess what? I asked him when I got back, and he said, I go out to that rest area when I'm at lunch, and I pray, and I read the word of God, because his life would get out of balance. I was I was blessed enough to have a believing uh, um, uh, boss, and he, he said his life would get out of balance, and that's where he spent time with the Lord. I'm just saying, you guys are creative on how you look at Facebook when people are around, get creative on looking at the word of God or spending some time in prayer. Get creative on that. So God wants you to live a balanced way in keeping your priorities in line with the word of God. Okay, number five. Let me give you number five. Everybody say number five. Is make quality decisions. See, when I was, before I was a believer, I would try to make good decisions but those decisions weren't based on God's word. So sometimes the decisions that I were making were okay for me to make, but they were not right and didn't line up with my belief and my following of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? They, some of them were harmful decisions that I would make, but some of them were you know, not bad decisions, but they just weren't God decisions. There's a difference between a God idea and a good idea. I can have, you know, the difference is when you have that idea in the shower, uh, a good idea, you have the idea in the shower and the God idea is it's bigger than what you can do and you get out of the shower and you do something about it. A good idea, you usually just have it in the shower and then you're done with it after you get out of the shower. But a God idea, you step into it and you start meditating on it and you start thinking about it. Did you know that according to, I looked it up at the UNC TV of science, that adults make approximately 35,000 decisions a day? Yeah, it's already what, 1130, and you guys have already made 10, 15,000 decisions already today. Where to go, what to do, what to wear, what to put on, on somebody, what to say. 35,000 decisions a day. So do you think that we need to have the mind of Christ? If you're making that many decisions, Joshua chapter 24, I'm going to share with you Joshua 24, but I want to encourage you guys to read it. Joshua is at the end of his life. He has already been mandated by God to take the Israelites into the promised land. He were there to take them into the promised land. So Moses has passed the baton to Joshua. And what Moses couldn't take the Israelites into the promised land, so it was Joshua's job to do that. And in Joshua 24, which is near the end of his life, he has gathered Israel together. And he's sharing with Israel what they, God has already done. And earlier in that chapter, he says, Joshua, he grabs all of the tribes together. And he says, look, we're going to have a family powwow. How many of you know there was millions of Israelites, even after those that had died off, there was millions of Israelites at, at, the, at the discussion table. And he gives them the history 
of what God has done. I want you to hear me now. I want you to take a few minutes and focus. He's giving them the history. And he says, this is what's taken place with Abraham. Look at what God did with Abraham and how he dealt with Abraham. And he goes on and he talks about the blessings of Abraham. And he talks about the blessings of Jacob and Isaac and Jacob and Esau. And he's beginning to give lineage. And he talks about Moses. And he talks about Aaron. And he talks about Egypt. He's telling the Israelites, look what God's done. Don't you know that there was a time when you were younger and you were in that car accident? You could have been killed, but you weren't killed. Come on. I pulled up. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, pulled up to a light, looked over, and there was a gun sticking out of a car placed in front of me. Right there, I looked over, and there it was. I ran the red light. I had a 1969 Mustang. That dude was going to have to catch me. Come on. There are things in each and every one of our lives I could go through and, I, and you could be able to re remember. He was telling the Israelites, remember what he did for Abraham. Remember what he did for Moses. Remember what he did for Aaron. What about the judgments on the Egyptians? What about the wars you went through and you beat the Amorites and the, the Hittites and the, the Perizzites and all of these different countries? And, and he said, he talked about how they got deliverance and how Balak and, and Balaam and how God changed things in that situation. And he was just reminding them. Don't you remember the conquests in the land? Don't you remember when you went to war against Ai without asking me? It wasn't good. But when you asked me, then you came back in and it was we had victory. And how things happened in Jericho. I could go through each and every one of your lives and you could say, there is something that God did for me. In fact, there's more than one thing. There's two things. There's three things. Look, I should have been in jail. I should have spent time in jail. I should have been. They, they could. I told somebody one time, they didn't necessarily need to throw me in jail. They would have threw me under the jail. But God. Somebody say, but God. So when I began to start thinking about it, he was exhorting them. And he was telling them, he was like, look, don't mess with this idolatry stuff. He said, you're going to worship something. Angela, would you come play? You're going to worship something. And he says, look, there's idols that you worshiped before you knew Jehovah. Come on, somebody. And then there was, and then if you're in this country, then you're going to begin to worship these idols. There's idols in every country. We went to Cuba, and somebody had, you may think this is kind of crazy, but this is real. Some, they had given us all little dolls. Those dolls had a curse on them. We couldn't get out of the country until those dolls were destroyed and that curse was broken. We almost spent all day in Cuba. The satellite phones were shut off. All of a sudden, the airline, the, the American Airlines pilot could get out on his satellite phone at 6 a.m. And at 7 a.m., he couldn't get through anywhere. We couldn't get phones. Some of you guys were involved in it. We finally got an email out to Mother. We said, please pray. We went back to the plane, and they brought us back. We went back to the plane, they brought us back. We went back to the plane. If we didn't get out of there when we were getting ready to leave, and that was that evening, they were going to hold that plane, and the third world country has a right to keep that plane and count it as theirs, and it would have been us too. So I watched this happen, and we, we got together, and somebody said, did you ever get these dolls? And they put all these little dolls under our pillow or on our bed 
when we went to leave. And we said, we think there's a curse on them. And we came against that. That was idol worship. Come on, y'all think putting a pin in a doll is just for fun? It, uh, it carries some weight. You better watch out. There are some cultures and communities that know how to operate in that stuff. We've seen stuff happen in Africa that in, in, in America, we'd be going, what? No way. And there they're going, yeah, that's normal. And it's demonic. Come on, somebody. So Joshua was at that point. See, he understand. He made up his mind. His mind was clear. And he comes into verse 15, and he says, Look, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then go ahead and choose for yourselves those other idols from the other countries in which you were at. Your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates. And he says, they had idol worship there. What about the gods of the Amorites? You can have their gods if you want to. But he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. He had to take the Israelites and say, don't you remember what God did? Don't you remember that God saved your life? Don't you remember that you were not in jail because God saved you from going to jail. Come on, somebody. Or maybe you got out of jail and you were dealing with situations and issues in your life. Don't you remember the hurt and the pain? I'm telling you, God is there in the midst of the hurt and the midst of the pain. We just got to begin to see him. And Joshua was telling the Israelites, and I'm here to tell you today, don't you remember? Don't you remember what God has done? The good things God has done because God is good all the time. Those good things that he's done. Don't you remember the times where you tripped and you fell and God was there to pick you back up? Don't you remember the things that supernaturally happened in your life that you didn't even realize it, that an angel of the Lord pushed that semi-truck out of the way so it didn't take your front end off? Don't you remember being two seconds later than what you were late and there was an accident at the light or you sat at the light and you saw this guy run this red light and had you been on time, you'd have been in an accident. Don't you remember when God loved you when you were crying and you were hurting and you didn't know even if he was real? Don't you remember what God did for you? Don't you remember the pain that was there? But don't you remember the healing that came place? Don't you remember the guilt and the shame that you had? That now all of a sudden Joshua was telling Israelites, let's remember. He said, that's the God we serve. He said, if you don't feel like serving the Lord, then don't serve him. I said that to somebody one time, and somebody else corrected me. They're like, man, don't you understand? I said, no, no, you don't understand. The Holy Spirit has to bring him. I can't do it. I can try to make it happen, but is it real? Because I'm tired. I'm tired of people saying that they know Christ and love Christ and don't act like it. They want to seek God, but you don't ever see him. 
And I'm not saying church is the be-all, the end-all, but I am saying there's a relationship that we can begin to build upon and have and work through the dynamics of coming together and worshiping the Lord. Oh, my word, when we worship the Lord, things begin to change in my heart. When I worship the Lord, things begin to change in my mind. When I worship the Lord, things that were impossible become possible to me. When I worship the Lord, I think I couldn't forgive. And now I believe I can forgive that person of that pain. That's what I'm talking about. Joshua was talking about that. He'd made his mind up. He was clear on what he was. He was staying. And he said, look, don't you remember? Let's serve God. Let's just stand to our feet today. Please just stand up. One of the things that Joshua knew, because they were entering the promised land. They were stepping into that which they generations had seen manifest. And they were stepping into that. But however great Israel was... Joshua was saying, no matter how great Israel is, it's the Lord. No matter how good things happen in your life, it's probably not you, I'm sorry, but it's the Lord. When you feel loved like I feel loved for 22 years, and the family and this family... I may not see you all the time. I may not see you every day. I may not even see you every week. But there's a love that's there that I think sometimes it's me, Terry. But then I realize, you know what? It's not. It's the Lord. And maybe you haven't experienced that love that God wants you to experience. Maybe you've not heard it or not felt it or not realized that it was Him. Look, the love that Shelly feels from me, it's... It's not me. I can't take credit. It's got to be the Lord. The love I feel from her, I love you, baby, but it's not you. It's the Lord flowing through you. Yes, there's an aspect of us. We've got to be willing and obedient and we'll what? Eat the good of the land. But as we step into that, Joshua kept reminding the Israelites it's not about what you've done, but look what the Lord's done for us. Look what the Lord has done. He's done a lot for us. My word for the year is grateful. I guess you can probably hear it now. I survived a heart attack almost four years ago. That less than 10% of the people survive. It's not me. It's the Lord. And had I not survived the heart attack, my wife would have experienced God and the goodness of God and the comfort from only the Holy Spirit can bring. She would have experienced that. Some of you have experienced that. And it's not us. It's the Lord. Will you be a conduit for Christ? Will you be a conduit for the kingdom? Why? Not because how good you are, but because of who you belong to. You are a child of the Most High God. And because I belong to Him, I want to bless you. 
And because I know my identity in him, and I know that when I get knocked down, I can get back up. Why? And I can move forward. Why? And I can take another step. Why? Because I can pray another prayer. Why? Because my identity is in him, and it's not me. It's him. What is it that you're dealing with? What is it that you have to have healing with for? What is it that you've got to step into that you're concerned about stepping into? Because when you step into it, God's going to be there to help you through it. Let's just pray just a moment. I just want you to remember what the Lord has done. I think there's nine places in Joshua where they put remembrance stones, markers along the way. When the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River, they put, they put stones on the other side so they could remember that this is what the Lord had done. I'm asking you just to remember what God has done for you. You may not have known God, and you may not know that God did that for you, but he's the one that's done those wonderful things in your life. I speak a blessing over you tonight, today. I just ask that as you just step into what God has for you, there may be like the prophetic word, there may be a battle that's going to have to come. You're going to have to step into it. In order to win a basketball game, you've got to go through it in order to get to it. But God has victory for you on the other side. So no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've gone through, continue to keep your eyes focused upon Jesus. Lift up your eyes, the Bible says, for here comes our help. My help comes from the Lord. How many of you just need help from the Lord? Just begin to raise your hand this morning. I see these hands all over the sanctuary this morning. We need help, God. God, we can't do this without you. I don't want to do it without you. I need help to forgive. I need help to, to, to be able to process the things that have happened in my life. I need help to be able to step out into what you have for me. I need help to be able to overcome. I need help to overcome the guilt. I need help to overcome the shame. I need help to overcome even the joy that I've had and overcome the pain. God, I need your help. And we just look to you today. God, I'm asking you to show yourself real to every person here, every person that's watching us online, that's going to watch us later, that your Holy Spirit will begin to move in and shape and change their lives. They are children of the Most High God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just ask Him into your heart. Just say, Lord, come into my heart. If the Holy Spirit's wooing you today, all you've got to do in your heart as well as verbally, just ask him to come in. Say, I just believe you, Jesus. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you have forgiveness of sin. I believe that you're forgiving me now for my past, present, and future sins, but also generational things. I mean, God's forgiven the sins of the world, not just yours. And we receive that and just begin to receive that right now. I'm praying for peace for you to be able to receive that. I'm praying for comfort for you that need it today. There's some of us, some I know that are watching online that wanted to be here today that have gone through a death in the family and they need your comfort. Now, Father, I just pray for these people that are here today, that you encourage them today but they see you and remember what you've done for them. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And I can close by saying God is good all the time. We bless you. We thank you. We send you forth in his power and his might.